Hey there, Blessed Mama. We are here to help you, the working mom, manage your personal and professional life without losing your mind. This is a podcast for you. I'm Blair Critch, and I went from a teacher to a stay-at-home to a seven-figure online business owner. And listen, that didn't happen overnight. It happened after we actually hit rock bottom. Bankruptcy that shook us. Then to find out my husband had an addiction problem, I decided that day I would grow and learn how to build a flexible business of freedom. Now today, I'm passionate about teaching other women the exact same thing through systems and strategies full of faith, fun, and drive. What is up? I am Kelly Hoover, retired corporate pharmaceutical rep to network marketing millionaire and small business owner. After recovering from a brain tumor, I knew I wanted to go after my dreams and make life happen. You know, quit waiting around for the perfect time. So I learned social media and how to master my time, and then the magic really started happening. If you are looking to create connections and own your time management skills, then this is the place for you. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today's podcast is all about how to declutter your life. To be that top 1%, you've got to do what the 1% is going to do in order to get there. And we're excited to have you hear from a special guest today, Jess Marcy. She is a clutter coach who has always been drawn to large collections of objects. She holds a master degree in archival science. Did I say that right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, good. Archival science and approaches decluttering an organization as skills that anyone can learn. Yes, that means you. So also we have to give a huge congratulations to Jess Marcy, because as we are recording this today, she was literally just featured in the Wall Street Journal with an amazing article that we'll put inside of our show notes you're going to want to check out. And Jess believes that all the clutter in our lives is connected. And to truly be successful at decluttering, you need resources that support the emotional, financial, and social side of clutter. This integrated approach is what makes her clients so successful as they work through her online decluttering programs. Yep, she has online decluttering programs. I know, if you're like me, you're already like, "Uh, I might need this, right? So she helps find, uh, really, she gets her thrill out of helping clients create homes that honor their past, create space to live in the moment and support their future dreams. And to be honest, Jess, I cannot think of a better time since we've all been pretty much stuck at home for the last year to declutter. I noticed that a lot of people during this time, and I'm curious to to hear before we even get started with our questions today, if you agree with this, but I found a lot of people this year have actually been hoarding things instead of getting rid of things, right? And yet we're stuck at home all the time. So more stuff usually equals more stress, right? Absolutely. So stockpiling is definitely what we've been drawn to. And One of the basic things that I teach is hoarding is part of our human nature. It's been an evolutionary advantage that's helped us get to where we are today. And it's only been in like the blink of an eye that things have totally shifted in our world where we have so much inexpensive stuff that we have such easy access to that it went from being an evolutionary advantage to being a real hazard and a cause of stress in our homes and our lives. But right now when there's an emergency, it's that human instinct to stockpile. And the argument that I make is stockpiling right now is actually more dangerous than having skills to get through an emergency. If you talk to anybody who's actually lived through a true emergency event, having more stuff was a hazard to their success getting through it. Having less stuff and knowing exactly what you have, where it is and what you need to grab and go is actually what you need to make it through an emergency. So 
I advocate for skills over stockpiles, learn something that's gonna help you <laughs> in an emergency um, and figure out if you're bringing a lot of stuff into your house, are you creating a tripping hazard? Are you creating a situation where you can get an infestation of mice? Are you creating a situation where you might get mold growing in your house? All of these things are hazardous and a, a result of stockpiling. So now is a good time to rethink stockpiling for sure. That is so interesting because I would have never thought about it that way. That's almost like dangerous for you. And when you say stockpiling, because I think we all have a different um, interpretation of what that means. So like for me, I like to have like maybe, I mean, we always have what, like one extra thing of toilet paper, right? So every single bathroom is stocked. Plus I might have one extra 36 roll in my garage um, because that's something that doesn't go bad. Right. But then I think of like my husband, when he needs more body wash, he'll buy like eight of them. I'm like, why do we need eight of them? He's like, well, cause they're just, now they're in my cabinet and I don't have to worry about it again until it runs out. So I'm curious, what does stockpiling mean to you? So stockpiling, basically you want to live within the storage space that you have. So go ahead and stockpile all you want, as long as you're not living outside of your storage space. And the problem that we have in American homes is we try and turn every single free space in our house into storage space. So we have a really <laughs> warped view of how much storage space we actually have. I mean, attics, basements, and garages are not storage space. Attics are, exist for airflow in your house. Basements exist for foundations. And garages are for your really expensive cars. So that's not to say you wouldn't have a little bit in those areas. But, you know, we take any floor space that we have and convert it to storage space. And in doing so, we really undervalue the emotional wellness that comes from having empty floor space. Empty floor space is, it's such a treat in our lives, but we keep converting it into storage space because we're sold this idea that the more storage space we have, the more we can store. And somehow that's a positive but very quickly we get to the point where it's not a positive anymore. I totally can relate to that. So I'm curious for all of you listening in today, let us know. You can find us on Instagram at Bless Mama Bosses underscore or Facebook at Bless Mama Bosses. Let us know. Do you use your basement, your attic, your garage, your shed? Let's be honest. A lot of us have sheds. What are you using to stockpile? Or are you really good at only using the space within your house like Jess just talked about. So I'm super curious to know how many people do this. Now I live in South Florida. And when I moved here in 2000, I had to learn to let go and become more of, I, I hate to use the word minimalist because I'm sure they do a way better job than me. As you can see, if you guys are watching this video right now, there's literally like a whole stack of books behind me on my desk. But one of the things that I had to learn when I moved to Florida is that we have smaller homes closer to the beach. There's no basements. The attics are ridiculously hot, so you would never put anything in it. Maybe Christmas decorations, but I don't even do that. So we do have a shed, um, and nobody uses their garages for their cars in Florida. I know it's totally bizarre, <laughs> but like literally our garage was uh, made into a huge laundry room and storage room, so it's actually like a mini garage. It's just big enough for like your bicycles. Um, that's about it. And so I had to learn this really quickly only because there was no other choice. And I get very, this is interesting too. And I want to know from our viewers, if you guys feel this way and what you think about it, Jess, but one of the things I've found as I've gotten older, and I'm sure hormones play a part in this too, is that the more stuff that is around, the more stressed out I get. 
So if I wake up in the morning and there's stuff everywhere, I'm starting off my day frustrated, annoyed, and stressed out because I work from home. Now, if, if I wasn't working from home, I probably wouldn't care. I'd just step over that crap and leave the house for the day, right? But because I'm at home, it stresses me out. Leaving your house for the day, that's a, a characteristic of people who are stressed by clutter, right? And oh. suddenly we're tossed into the situation where we can't leave our houses. We can't get away from the clutter. But I really try and talk a, a lot about how clutter steals your time. And you really, you nailed it on its head there. I mean, when you wake up, and you have a negative interaction with the clutter in your house, the next interaction you have with your family members or whatever happens next is clouded by that first negative interaction. And you can't ever get that time back, right? You can't ever make it positive when it was negative. So that's like the insidious way that clutter really steals your time. And often we don't realize how much of our time and of our emotional energy has been negatively impacted by clutter until we start decluttering and, and we realize, wow, I can wake up and actually feel happy. And that, that's such a, an incredible thing, but such a simple, we want to wake up and feel happy. And it's hard to feel happy when you're tripping over stuff. You have millions of choices of what to wear. You know, you're fatigued by, by the time you even get to breakfast. Oh my gosh. I love that you brought that up. Cause in our house, we talk about decision fatigue all the time. And, you know, like I now I'm not so extreme like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg, where I'm going to like pick the same hoodie or the same black shirt every single day out of my closet. But it is really refreshing when you realize. And I love also that you brought up the point of like your first interaction with your family for the day. You can't get that back. You cannot change the way you left those kids feeling as they walk out the door to go to school or your husband as he walked out the door to go to, to work or yourself even. I mean, even if there's nobody even home and I start off my day negative, it is hard to get out of that spiral. So I'm glad you brought that up. So I have some three really important questions that some of our viewers have asked us that Kelly and I have questions on too. And the first one is clutter. So clutter is so overwhelming. It can be hard to even know where to start. So where do you recommend starting a declutter project? So I think the best place to start, and this is different from what everyone else says, is whatever is super easy for you to move out of your house. So emotionally easy. And if you can also find something emotionally easy and physically large, that would be really perfect. So for example, linens for most people tend to be emotionally easy and physically large. So maybe tackle just one shelf of your linen cabinet. Decluttering is a skill that you need to practice to get better at. So just like you wouldn't start learning math with calculus, you don't want to start decluttering with something super emotional that you have no, you're not sure where it's going to go, if it should go. Start with the easy stuff. Anything that you can remove is going to be the right place to start. But at the same time, commit to not bringing anything into your house because what happens, and I use this analogy, which will stick with you. <laughs> uh, it's not the, the most pleasant analogy, but if you had a clogged toilet, you would never use that toilet until you cleared the clog. Clutter in your house is essentially a clog. So if you commit to decluttering, but you're continuing to bring stuff in, you're just standing in your own way. So even if you just stopped bringing stuff in, that would be a good place to start, but stop bringing stuff in increase the flow of stuff out. Anything that's easy to get out is the right starting point. And then you practice making decisions, you practice removing stuff and you get better and better and better at this. And ultimately you have less things to deal with 
and you're practiced at that decision making. So you can deal with the more difficult stuff as you go through the process. I love that. And I'm not going to lie. Those of you that are listening, I have a really hard time not buying stuff. I am just like, it's, it's Amazon has made it way too easy for all of us. We have an app, we have the store. It's so easy, right? To just be like, oh, I need this. So you just, per, you know, purchase, purchase, purchase. Even with all the fun ads that you're seeing on Facebook and Instagram about this clothes or that, they just make it so easy now. So if you guys are listening to this and you've been following us for the whole month of February, I'm doing a no shop February. So I'm super excited to see if you guys are doing it too. Let us know, tag us on social media, because that is one of the big things. And February is my birthday month. That's why I do it every year is oh, because I, is it? Oh, awesome. So I'm just yeah. like, I take one month to just not purchase anything. It is hard. You will see how difficult that can be. Groceries are my only exception. Um, obviously because I got to feed this family, but I love that you said, starting with things that you're not emotionally attached to, and then not bringing in new things. And so that is a great idea. So this month in February, start with your linens and then call yourself a no shop February or a no shop March or whenever you're listening to this, give yourself 30 days and see if you can go through it. You'll be so impressed with yourself and you will be able to look at your, you know, charges also and see the difference. And one other thing before I ask you the next question, my mom always taught me this and I've instilled it in my kids. Anytime you buy something, you have to get rid of two things. There's so I love that. So right? that is, so I always say one in one out no longer applies because in the past, so like say 50 years ago, we would go to the store and we would bring home one grocery bag full of a bunch of stuff with no packaging. But today, every single item that we bring in comes with tons and tons of packaging, which is more stuff to let go of. And we have a hard time letting go of good boxes, which is basically every box. So when you bring one thing in, you're really bringing in four things, maybe, you know, like you're definitely bringing in more than one. So one in two out, one in three out, something like that's a much better way to go about it because it's not one in one out anymore. There's never one so single true. thing coming in. Yeah. And there's so many people that could benefit from the things that you're getting rid of. And, um, you know, if you can afford it, give it away. And if you really, you know, are in a place right now where you need to make some extra money, Poshmark is a great spot. Like I've had so many friends in the last few months make thousands of dollars on Poshmark by selling things that are gently used. So, you know, figure it out what those things are. All right. We could talk about this all day. I love this stuff. So often <laughs> you talk about how clutter steals your time and your joy, right? And I feel like you kind of talked about that a little bit, but can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. So we tend to think, oh, I can't let go of this because I spent money on it. But once you've spent the money, it's gone. So the only thing, the only resource that is still remaining is your time. Money is a renewable resource. You can always make more money in the future. You can never get back your time. That's a non-renewable resource. So once you start looking at your clutter and really identifying how much time it's taking from your life that you're never going to get back, it's much easier to start letting it go because it comes down to time, not money. Uh, and of course, if you have more time to do what you want to do, your life is going to be filled with more joy. Nobody wants to be taking care of tons and tons and tons of stuff, right? So, so there's a very like clear connection between time and joy. So true. I love that. And it is funny how when we think we have more things that will bring us joy, but it truly does not. It just brings more stress, right? Um, the illusion of convenience. We, we have this, we're sold this illusion that if our children have more toys, we'll have more time to cook dinner. 
or if we have multiple, you know, phone charging cables, we'll never have, we'll never be without one or, you know, the more we have, the easier it'll be, but it, the exact opposite is actually true. Right. Totally. We have like 10 different chargers in our house and yet you can never find the one. <laughs> so it doesn't right. matter how many you have. Right. But if you had just one, you'd know exactly where it <laughs> exactly. was. Exactly. <laughs> so true. All right. And then any tips about kids and their stuff and their clutter? Because there's a lot of moms listening into this podcast. Bless my bosses is really all about that woman who's trying to take her business to six figures and beyond without sacrificing time with their family. And so they're also trying to shape and enrich their kids' lives. So how do we talk to our kids about their stuff and their clutter? Okay, this is a great question. So it's really important to remember that learning about your stuff is a skill, right? So it's just like teaching your kids how to tie their shoes or how to do their numbers or how to, you know, handwriting. So it's a skill that you want to work on with them as they get older and be kind of appropriate age level appropriate, right? So don't expect your two-year-old to go and be able to completely declutter and clean their room, baby steps. Um, but you wanna really teach your kids that the space that they have for their toys and their clothing and their belongings is a finite amount of space and to live within that space. So we easily tell our children, we can't get that because we can't afford it. But another thing to start adding to that is we can't bring this into our house because there's no space for it. So if you want to bring something in, you should prioritize what you have, learn what means, like really practice what is most important to you as a child, prioritize your items. So you're keeping what you love the most and make space for something new if that's really important to you. So really living within your space as a parameter, same as living within how much money we have. If you can start to teach that to your kids from a very young age, they will naturally get used to decluttering and prioritizing what they have. And it's a skill that really grows with them. As an adult, you want your child to be able to say, these are the characteristics of the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I, I know what's most important to me because I've practiced this with my dolls or with my Legos or with, you know, whatever. For my whole entire childhood, I practiced prioritizing what matters the most to me because I didn't have unlimited space resources. I love that. And I think also I'm going to give you guys um, that are listening today a few practical things that we've done in our house. I feel like that really works along with that. One is I love that you talked about doing age appropriate things. So because I used to be a kindergarten teacher, one of the things that we used to do in our classrooms, because we didn't I didn't have a lot of money when I first started, and I can guarantee you don't get a lot as a teacher from the schools. And so I didn't have a ton of toys for my kids to play with for centers and things like that. And so what we decided um, as teachers was we were going to swap out our centers with each other every, like every other month. So I took that when I first had kids and started to do that with some friends. I said, listen, every couple, like every other month, let's swap out a basket of toys. So I'll give you this basket of toys. You give me a basket of toys to my kids. They're brand new. They're so excited about them, right? I always had a play area that was sectioned off for my kids where I could see them while I was working. That was a safe area for them with safe toys. And so we would swap out these toys every month. And my kids were so excited. They would play forever because it felt like they were brand new, but I wasn't really entering new things into my house. It was just a complete swap out. Um, and then <clears throat> now as they're older, they're 16 and 14, two boys, I'm trying to prepare them, right? For one day on their own. 
um, and getting married and those kind of things. And so we do a closet clean out in December before you get anything for the holidays, you got to do a closet clean out. And then we do a closet clean out and room and office clean out at the end of the school year. So they start off the summer with clean rooms. They've thrown away, but they don't need anymore from the school year. They've gone through their clothes for school. My kids wear uniforms, so they've gone through it. What doesn't fit, what does fit, what we need to get rid of, what we need to, to make sure we know that they need for the beginning of the school year. All these things are skills that you're teaching your kids for as they get older. And it's, I feel right. like it's, it's, yeah, I love it. And, you know, one thing I say all the time is done is better than perfect. So when my kids were younger, I wanted them to participate in their laundry. And one thing they could do was put their clothing from the dryer into the right drawers. So I would just let them not fold it and just sort it into the right spot and be good with that because done is better than perfect. And they're learning a skill yeah. and it's not going to be perfect. So anytime now that the kids are learning anything and helping out around the house and all of that stuff that we're trying to teach them to make them good, good adults, <laughs> well-suited for being on their own. You know, as long as they're helping out and doing it, it's, it's really helpful to remove your perfectionism from the equation. It doesn't really matter if it's done perfectly. It matters more that they're doing it. So that's yeah. a huge piece of advice. I hope everybody wrote that down <laughs> because I know as moms, sometimes we like to take on all the tasks, right? Because we want it done our certain way. But when you do that, you're actually taking away them learning the valuable skills that they're going to need as they get older. So thank you so much, Jess. Now, where can our community find you? So uh, you, I can be found at prioritizeyoursanity.com. My Instagram is prioritize underscore your underscore sanity. Um, I have a Clutter Foundations course, which is $27. It teaches the basic foundational skills. It would be totally appropriate to watch the videos with your kids, with your whole family. A lot of people do that. Um, so clutterfoundations.com is where you can purchase that. I'd love to work with anybody in this amazing community. I love that. So uh, once they get the $27 course, uh, then what's next? I know you have a really cool community. Right. So once you join Clutter Foundations, you can join our support group on Facebook. It's a completely judgment-free community. Uh, there's about 3,000 plus people in there. It's very active. It's, you know, if somebody in your house isn't encouraging you and supporting you on your decluttering journey, this community exists just for that. Every little thing we cheer you on. Uh, so that's what happens when you join Clutter Foundations. You can also join a live coaching call with me every week as part of that $27 purchase. So oh, wow. it's a good value. They get a lot. Yeah, they get a lot for that price. That's awesome. All right. Well, you guys do us a favor. And if you got any value out of today, which I'm sure you did, I got a ton of ideas. I know you did too. Make sure that you tag us, look in the show notes to find Jess's information and make sure to tag us at bless my bosses underscore. And don't forget to rate and review. And if you're listening to this and you want to be part of our free community where you can meet other women who are trying to achieve their goals, make sure you check out blessedmamabossesgroup.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes today so you can find out all the information about Jess Marcy and also check out her Wall Street Journal article that she was just in. We are so excited for you and cannot wait to see what's going to happen for you over the next couple of years because I know so many people are walking on this path. And I feel like the ways that you taught us today were simple and easy compared to a lot of other things that I've watched or read. So thank you so much, Jess. We appreciate you and we cannot wait to see all of you guys on our next podcast. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode and want to hang out with us more. 
Join us inside our Facebook community. You can find us at www.blessedmamabossesgroup.com. We'll see you inside.